0: So on today's episode, I tell you why I ate chocolate cake for breakfast and how I plan to enjoy it while mitigating it ever needing to happen again, while planning a road trip through Montana and how I've planned to thrive through with a simple tool that guarantees your success as long as you trust the process. And just for the record, it was a German chocolate cake and it was so amazing with my americano this morning. But I know you're going to love the episode, so I'm going to shut up now and let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Mind of George Show. Today is a Winning Wednesday episode where we talk through actionable strategies, tactics, secrets and golden nuggets that can be implemented, utilized and benefited from immediately. This episode is all about action and putting what you learn into practice, which is the only true way to achieve your personal and professional goals. We've covered everything from the five non-negotiable books for business leaders, which was episode 56, to Project Manage Mastery, which was episode 44, to the two most important documents in your entire business, which were episodes 62 and 83. You can find those and all the other episodes of the show at mindofgeorge.com. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Oh, and today's topic. Today's topic is timely. I did not even know what to title today's topic, so I played with something along planning to win and thriving through setbacks. Um, also known as in my current life, strapping in my seatbelt tighter to enjoy the ride on the roller coaster because no matter what, life, business, and everything is going to be a ride. And the only way to enjoy it is to see it as a ride, take in the sights and sounds as you're going over the hills and just wait for it to stop, to unbuckle yourself, to look back and figure out what's next. (laughs) Oh, man. oh! So let me tell you about my day. So what did I have for breakfast? I had a German chocolate cake for breakfast and not even out of a place of stress, but just out of a place of want. We are moving in seven days, six days. And so I tell everybody the joke right now is... We are road tripping from California to Montana with four horses, three snakes, two kids, and one wife. But then come to find out we're leaving a couple of horses here because we don't want to move them into the middle of Montana in the winter. The snakes are coming with us over a four-day road trip with the two kids, hotels, Airbnbs. And once we get to Montana, we're staying in a tree house for three days before we move to a temporary house for three weeks and then another temporary house for four months while we keep looking for homes because it's crazy right now. And so... I've just been laughing a lot and I love it and it's amazing and I realize that I've been laughing because the amount of work that I've put in over the years on being fluid versus rigid and understanding this game and that it's just a game and that there's going to be times that things feel like they're killing me and there's things that feel like they're weighing my chest down and feel like the world is ending and it's going to feel like there's no option but there always is and somehow if I look back I look back at my life, my business, my successes, but also my lessons where I've, you know, made lots of money, but also lost lots and lots of money and made business lessons and decisions that weren't supportive or didn't have the ideal circumstances or outcome. That all those feelings were there, but eventually they were gone. And when I look back and reflect, there were lessons aligned with them. And so what I wrote today was how do we plan and thrive through setbacks or potential setbacks? And so... You know, one of the things that I became a fan of a couple years ago was stoicism, like just reading about stoicism and understanding stoicism and reading Marcus Aurelius and doing a lot of things and, and, and adopting certain takeaways into my life. I am not a big proponent of that is the way or that's the philosophy or that's the belief system. What I'm a big proponent of is individually all of us becoming students and then taking things that work for us from those different things to create our own original, unique way of living. And so one of the things that I have really, really been focusing on and falling in love with is patience and enjoying the ride. And that's literally where today's episode comes from. And so in Stoicism... You know they say memento more it's a reminder that you're going to die like that nothing is permanent and that we are on this path but also to do an inventory of everything in our life and to not leave anything to chance to not leave anything unsaid to not not explore something to literally be like hey this is it and so what i've taken to a, adopt out of that is that no matter what happens from this point in my life in an hour from now a week from now a month from how I have no control over some circumstances, but I do have awareness that they're going to come and that they're going to happen and that things are inevitable. And the more aware I am of the entire field that I'm playing on, the better prepared I am when that situation arises to thrive through it. There's a really good book I love. Um, Scott Carney wrote it. Scott Carney is an author who wrote a book that is called What Doesn't Kill Us Makes Us Stronger, which is about cold therapy. And a little bit of introduction into what he calls The Wedge. And then he just published a new book called The Wedge. And The Wedge is exactly what I'm talking about today. It's where you basically train your central nervous system so when you're hit with a trigger, like my ad account got shut down, my business is ending, my employee quit, um, they're seizing my assets, that we have the ability to stay in that moment without reacting to it so we can become aware of our situation and choose how to respond. Which is what led me to today's episode. And so when I look back at what I've survived through, you know, them wanting to amputate my legs in 2005, to being in a wheelchair for 12 months and being told I'd never walk again, to, um, you know, struggling with an eating disorder for most of my life, to being an addict with opiates, to, you know, um, attempting suicide and all of those things. What was surrounding those moments and looking back on them why I've always been here and been able to kind of pick myself back up is I've always been really, really keen to do an inventory of what's coming and what's to happen. So I'm familiar with it and it never feels like I'm getting blindsided or punched in the face. And as an entrepreneur, I willingly give up quote unquote safety and security in exchange for ambiguity. I give up a steady paycheck to then have to create my own. I give up the health insurance and benefits and retirement plan that might come from working on building somebody else's vision to build my own and have to recreate it. And that means I also give up my clarity or my confidence to other people and I own it, which means that if I want safety, I have to create safety. If I want a plan, I have to create a plan. If I want to thrive through setbacks, I have to be aware of the setbacks and have a plan. Because at the end of the day, whether you work for somebody or work for yourself, the buck always stops with you. Pick a book. Jocko does this. Extreme ownership. Personal development does this. 100% responsible 100% of the time. doesn't really matter, but the buck stops here. And so one of the ways to win and to thrive is to realize that In this situation, I am knowingly and willingly living a life of ambiguity, stating that as my buddy Alex Sharfin says, I'm going to go out into the future and get really clear on what I want to exist. And then I'm going to come into the present and I'm going to build it every day until it becomes a reality, which also means that there is not this set roadmap. There is not this set Measure. There is not this container that if it doesn't work will be fall back upon, and that's what it takes, and that's the choice that I make every day when I say I'm quote unquote an entrepreneur, or I say that uh you know somebody else said this I'm unemployable, and so in that I think the most important step of all of this is understanding the field of the game that we're choosing to play, and so for me. The first part of planning and thriving through setbacks is awareness. Because when I look at that and I understand that the nature of the field of the game that I'm playing is guaranteed setbacks or guaranteed resistance or roadblocks because they're lessons and there's things that I'm bump up against and there is no perfection. There is no perfect plan except the one that we put into practice. And there is no certainty except the certainty in which I create. And so the way that I look at this is the more time I spend aware of myself in a relationship with myself, where I'm spending my time, the nature of where I spend my time, how I spend my time, I have a really clear, accurate picture of how to plan and mitigate quote unquote setbacks. And so I wrote this down into four steps on how I would recommend somebody plan and plan to win and thrive through setbacks. And literally as I reflect on, I'd call maybe 15 to 20 years of personal development work and and experience here from like my first combat deployment, which was in 2004, so 16, 17 years, 17 years of really becoming aware of myself and the work that I do, I broke it down into four steps, right? And so number one is a famous Mike Mike Tyson quote, right? Number one is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? But this is my awareness game, right? Everybody has this plan to go play this perfect sport or have this perfect boxing match or this perfect fight, right? But if you never plan to get punched in the face and then it happens, You are off your game and you will lose. But if you know that there's a chance that you get punched in the face and there's a chance that you get knocked down, then you have the ability to recover or have a plan or a fallback to mitigate that. And so here's what I can tell you I guarantee you, uncertainty is coming. I guarantee you, resistance is coming. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that ambiguity will always exist. And The easiest way to mitigate it is being aware that it's coming, as in stoicism doing a memento mori, or as I call it for my mastermind students and and people that I I mentor and I work with, I call it the stinky fish, right? We've, We've talked about this before. And so the first thing is understanding that you need to have a plan and you need to have a plan for every conceivable scenario. There's a chance that your product works or doesn't work. There's a chance that that hire works or doesn't work. There is a chance that that employee is going to embezzle money and steal from you, but there's also a chance that that employee is going to take your company to the next level and be the best culture fit ever. And no matter what, you can't guarantee either outcome. You can just plan for whatever scenario comes to fruition you have an action or a solution for because that's what we do as leaders. And so step one for planning to win and thrive through setbacks is making sure that you have a plan and knowing that you're going to get metaphorically punched in the mouth, right? Hopefully not physically, but like no matter what, right? Like I can guarantee you that as long as I own an automobile, there's a really good chance that I'm going to get a flat tire or it's going to break down. And so if I get a flat tire, I'm not going to go slash the other three. I'm aware that I got a flat tire. I'm going to change it and I'm going to move on because I have a plan. So step one is doing an inventory and knowing what situations might come and arise in any moment, whether you're planning a holiday trip, whether you are getting ready to take two weeks off of work, whether you're doing quarterly planning for your business or yearly planning, if you're doing an event, if you're doing a team culture thing, like no matter what you have to look at the field that you're playing your game on and do an inventory across the field of everything that could potentially happen. And I don't like put this on paper, I just think through it, I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally be doing my mastermind event and lose power. I could totally uh, have the chef not show up with the food. Like uh, one of my team members could not make it because their flight got canceled and they were responsible for this. Like I have to be aware of every possible scenario so I can also be aware of the solution. So step one is awareness. Doing an inventory, call it what you want, putting out the fears, the uncertainty, the resistance onto the table and understanding what game you're playing because that is a game. Step two is you have to practice the wedge, right? Step two is you have to practice being comfortable while being uncomfortable you have to practice sitting with discomfort. One of my one of my teachers, one of my friends, one of my business partners who's been on the podcast, Stefano Stefano says, um, he says this to me all the time. If you want to deepen your service, deepen your practice. And I was like, get it right. And I'll, I'll never forget. I will call him or message him like, dude, I'm having a panic attack. Like, oh my God, like the world is ending. What do I do? And he's like, sit with it, lean into it, go deeper into it. And what he's basically saying to me is like, if I have this fear or if something happens like uh, an employee quits or something, uh, let's say my ad account gets shut down in that current moment. I'm not going to get the ad account cut, shut back down in that current moment. My employee not coming back in that current moment where I realized I lost 10 grind on an ad. I'm not going to get it back there in that current moment. The only decision I make will be reactionary like reactionary based on my emotions, right? And it will be not clear. It will be clouded. And so what he's saying is when that happens, I need to sit with it until I'm aware and I can respond, not react, which is why Scott Carney calls it the wedge. And so one of the things that I do is I practice being in sitting. So if I get triggered today, like if something comes across my desk, like this is broken, ah, I literally look at him like, I hear you, I'll get back to you in a couple days. And I put it in my calendar for 24 hours in the future. Which means like right now, currently, I'll share an example, uh, we're moving so I sold my car and the BMW dealership uh, is trying to jit me out of like $5,000 that they owe me for a warranty I never used. And so I'm like, cool. And I literally got extremely angry and upset and I was like, but anything I do in this moment is not going to work. So I set it in my calendar for tomorrow, 24 hours in the future to look at it and be like, okay, what's the plan? What steps can I take? What, who do I have to call? But anything I do today isn't going to solve the problem. It's probably going to make it worse. So what I'm doing is practicing that wedge. I'm still uncomfortable. I still have a little bit of anxiety about it, but I've acknowledged it. And so now I'm choosing to work on my business, record this podcast, and go through that Knowing that it's scheduled for a date in the future and I'll have time to process my emotions, to feel the emotions and to ride the roller coaster of them, which is a gift as a human being, is to be able to ride the roller coaster of emotions because we modulate and then when I come back to it, I will be clear because I've practiced sitting. And if I've paused and I come back, I don't have an emotional attachment, I don't have a knee-jerk reaction, I'll probably have a lot of clarity, the path will be simple, I'll be able to have a healthy understanding of what I need to do or what can be done, and then I make an appropriate course of action based on that information and not my emotional response. And so I will be able to look at the situation as a set of ingredients for a recipe instead of a fire that I have to fight in the moment. So step number one, is plan or do an inventory of everything that could possibly come up so you're aware of it so when it happens, you don't feel like you're blindsided. Step number two is when it does happen, create and practice your wedge, right? Practice sitting with it, practice being with it. Don't try to make the feeling go away explore the feeling. Like I literally, if you're watching this, I'm sitting in my chair right now in my beautiful pink hoodie. But one of the things will happen is like, I'll get a call or I'll get off a call and I'll have like this gut feeling. And so I literally will look down at my belly. I will hold it and I'll be like, what is that? What is that? And I will literally just sit here and explore it. And sometimes I get an answer and sometimes I don't, but just paying attention to it allows me to be exploring it rather than giving meaning to it and then reacting or acting based on that feeling. And so step number one is do an inventory of everything that's gonna come. Step number two is practice your wedge. Have a pause period for big decisions. Don't, um, don't make a decision or a knee-jerk reaction. Wait until you've marinated on it and the emotion has been removed so you can look at it like it's an ingredient and then choose how you're gonna respond which then when you can look at it as an ingredient, you ask yourself these questions. So step number three is to ask yourself, right? And so what do you ask yourself? Well, when you look at the situation, you can look at what worked, what didn't work, and what will I do differently next time, right? And so let's say you did a launch and you're 24 hours post-launch, or maybe you're an hour post-launch, you did a webinar and you're like, oh my God, nobody bought. Right? My webinar is a failure. Blah, 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 blah. This actually happened to me a couple weeks ago. My webinar is a failure. I suck. My slides suck. I need to do it again. It's ah. Uh... So I was like, nope, leave it. So I put it for 24 hours later. and I sat down with my journal and I was like, what worked? What didn't work? And what did I do differently? Or what will I do differently? And then I realized that there was a lot of things that did work. I had a whole lot of people show up for the webinar. I had the most amazing feedback from the webinar. People loved it, they put it into practice. And I was like, well, what didn't work? Well, not as many people bought as I thought. And I had to really look at it differently. And then I was like, what would I do differently? And then I realized that when I made the offer, it was super confusing because I, had, I gave people three options and I only should have given them one. And then I also made it really hard to join. And so I looked at it and I was like, oh, we can totally do this differently. And so I was able to observe from a very high level without being emotionally attached to it, like just the ingredients on the field. And so I say ingredients all the time because cooking is the analogy I use because if, if I have these ingredients and I follow this recipe and I put it in the oven and I take it out and I don't like the result, I'm not going to never cook again. I'm just going to really be like, okay, well, what was it? I was like, oh, was that the right ingredient or did I not follow the process or did it not bake long enough? But if I look at it long enough, I can come to a conclusion or make a hypothesis that like, oh, wow, wow, it's a little overdone which means it wasn't the ingredients. It wasn't the process. It was the oven. And the oven was either it was too hot or it was in too long. And so I can make an adjustment and then try it again. But maybe the texture is good, but the taste is off. And you're like, oh, well, it's not the bake time. It's also not the process. And you look at the ingredients like, oh, if I just reduce that and then do it again, I'll get a desirable result. And so I like to use ingredients and recipes as an analogy because they work everywhere in business. And so step three is to look at it as a measure of ingredients, process, and result, which if you're familiar with Lean Six Sigma, they call this the SIPOC model, but you just look at it as ingredients and then the process and then the result. And you ask yourself what worked, what didn't work, and what would I do differently? And then when you get the answers to all of those questions, you move into step four. And step four is you take those ingredients, you take the answers to those questions, you solve for what you can, and then you plan for the rest and take action. And that's the path. And that will always be our path in every single thing that we do. So step one is before you do anything, to plan before you do anything. You look at like, I'm about to do this launch. I'm about to take this trip. I'm about to hire this person. I'm about to boom. And you become aware of everything that could potentially come up. And you don't have to do anything. You just have to have awareness of it. You know uncertainty is coming. You know resistance is coming. You know it might not launch. You know the supplier might be late. And then you look at it. And then you practice your wedge when you know it's coming. Like, okay, what happens if this does come? I'm going to practice. Oh, it's going to be uncomfortable. I might have a little anxiety. There might be some unknown. This is how I'm going to deal with it. But I'm going to look at the situation's ingredients. And then step three, you're going to look at yourself in whatever situation once it happens. And you're going to ask yourself, wow, okay, I planned for that. It worked. It was great. This didn't work. Well, what worked? What didn't work? What would I do differently? And so you're assessing after the situation or after something comes or after the launch happens or after the supplier was later not late in any situation and you're auditing what was there, what worked, what didn't work, what will I do differently? And then you're taking those ingredients that you're aware of by looking at, you know, the ingredients, the process and the result. And then you're taking the answer to those questions of like, hey, what worked that created this awesome result? Let's keep that. What didn't work? Let's get rid of that and replace that. What would I do differently? Let's add that. And then you solve for what you can. You plan for the rest and then you act. And then you take an action again. And so to use an analogy of cooking, let's say I bake a pound cake. And I think a pound cake is a pound of flour, a pound of sugar, a pound of of butter. I don't remember, right? But let's say I bake a pound cake, right? Or maybe, no, I'll do something else. I want a pineapple upside down cake. Let's say I bake a pineapple upside down cake. I have, you know, yellow cake batter. I have some brown sugar, a little bit of vanilla, some cherries. You know, I don't, I haven't been a food blogger for a long time. And so I mix the ingredients. It tells me to beat them in a stand mixer. I do. Tells me to put them in a pan, uh, let it come to room temperature. I do. Tells me to put it in a 350 degree oven for 45 minutes. I do. Tells me to pull it out and let it rest for 10 minutes. I do. And then flip it over and check it. Well, I pull it out. I flip it over and check it. And it's undercooked. Well, If it's undercooked, I'm not going to go back and be like, I'm never making this again or I'm changing all the ingredients. I literally am like, well, if I can put it back in the oven, I will. Let me put it back in the oven. If I can't, because I already took it out of the pan, which I shouldn't have done, I should have given it the toothpick test. If I kept it in the pan, I can give it more time in the oven. And then I look at it, I'm like, oh, wow, in my oven or for whatever reason, this is here. So next time, let me bake it for the same time, but let me check it in the oven. And then I'll make an adjustment for five more minutes and you might realize that your oven because of your temperature at your location takes 55 minutes instead of 50, right? That's it. And then you make an adjustment for the next time. But let's say you bake it and it's literally inedible and you look at it, and you're like, what's wrong? And you're like, God, it tastes like salt. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then you go back and realize, wow, I accidentally put salt in the sugar measurement. It said four tablespoons of sugar, but I use salt. Oh, that's not going to taste good. Let me remake it, make sure my ingredients are good, put it through the same process. So what you give yourself is a very clear, measurable path on what adjustments to make. And that puts you in a position of power. Because here's what I will say. I am nowhere near the finish line of my life, right? If I look at myself as somebody who became a student of life and consciousness and healing to, I can teach it. On that grade of zero to 100 i'd give myself two percent i've maybe two percent of the game figured out and i got 98 percent to go right but in that two percent what i have figured out is that the biggest secret to my success my happiness my joy and my results always boils down to awareness and the way that i look at life is that awareness is the finish line because once you are aware you have all the ingredients required to choose how to act and so for me when i think about planning to win and thriving through setbacks. It's following those four steps over and over and over and over again, sometimes a hundred times a day, sometimes once a month, but in everything that we do to set ourselves up to win, to make sure our success is guaranteed as long as we trust the process. So that's what I got today. Chocolate cake for breakfast, but it was really good by the way, especially with my Americana this morning. Uh, some of the stuff that's on my plate and how I'm playing the game with a smile on my face and then literally how I plan and thrive through setbacks and everything that I do. And so that's what I wanted to share with you today on this Winning Wednesday and it feels so amazing to talk about. I actually had a little anxiety when I started recording this podcast and I feel better again because I just coached myself and I was like, oh, I'm sharing with you everything that I'm supposed to be saying to myself in the mirror, except I am watching myself film this and I do see my face on camera. So I am giving it to myself. So I want you to take this. I want you to put this into practice. Tell me in the Facebook group how this works for you. Um, I'm excited to be documenting this journey. So I will be documenting our move. I am back on Instagram, just so you guys know. uh, On Instagram, it's George Bryant. I'm back on the gram. I'm dropping stories every day, every other day. Um, Go DM me and let me know what you want. Send me your messages there. I will be documenting this road trip. I will be talking about the podcast. But let me know I am back on the gram. That is me and the team aggressively on the gram. And so go hit me up. And uh, actually, I would love to know, If you come to my Instagram and you heard this episode, let me know. If you hear this episode, send me a DM and say, hey, man, I love the episode. I hated the episode. You're crazy. I just want you to know I heard the episode, but I want you to know that I'm here and then we can have a conversation. I'll figure out how I can support you. So take this, put this into practice. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms and I will either see you next time or you will hear me in your earballs. But now it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show.